Welcome to the Hyper Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Monahan. This is our second episode, all about gaming. And I'm joined today by Stan Copen, the co-founder and CEO of Powder App, and Flavian Giosho, the CEO of PandaScore. This episode is sponsored by Grow by SAP. Stan, Flavian, thank you so much for joining today, the Hyper Growth Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about all things gaming, gaming as a new media paradigm. If both of you guys hello. can give, hello, <laughs> if both of you guys want to give an introduction, maybe you first, Stan. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm Stan, the CEO of Powder. So Powder is an app to edit and share game clips uh, with your friends. Uh, we've uh, released uh, the app in April 2020s, uh, and I've seen a, we've seen a good traction uh, since, uh, since then. Um, yeah, so that's that, that's me. And, and Flavian here. I'm the CEO of, of Pendascore. Uh, we are uh, esports data providers. So our our, uh, our job is to collect statistics on the professional players' performance and distribute it to many type of business. So we work with professional teams. We work with media companies broadcasters, betting, fantasy, I mean, pretty much everything that you see in the esports world will need data at some point, and our job is to provide this. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction, guys. I think it will be helpful for all of the listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with gaming and the gaming industry, if we could set some context for them. You know, today the gaming industry is valued at 160 billion. Within just the last year, there's 13 million new subscribers. And could each of you give your perspective on how we came to this point in gaming, how it's evolved, and how the shifts that we have seen created the opportunity for both Powder and PandaScore to exist? I can, I can start with the history. I think Stan would be pretty good at uh, nowadays. I'm kind of an old gamer myself. Um, yep. But um, yeah, so I think when gaming has been part of our uh, uh, lives, like the past decades, like really 50, 60 years, uh, gaming has, has started. Um, and um, I think what's interesting is it became more and more uh, popular and easy to, to play, uh, coming from arcades, um, the first console, the first PC. Uh, it was pretty expensive. It was pretty difficult to, to play, but getting uh, more uh, close to uh, the last two decades, um, it was so much easier and, and the democratization of console, like gaming console, like Xbox, PlayStation, um, and, and the Nintendo's uh, really allowed, I think, the market to uh, get a better access and, and, and it became more, more mainstream. And I think when you think about it, everyone wants to play. I mean, you, we are playing, it's, if it's not video game, it can be other things. It can be board games, it can be just sports, whatever. We, we all love to game. Um, and Video games is just an example, and, and, and it's getting more and more interesting, but it's still just a game at the end of the day. And, and if it's more easy to access, if it's more affordable, um, more and more people will play video games. And right now we are in a state where mobile gaming is huge, uh, PC gaming is, is obviously huge, and, and not going to stop anywhere uh, anytime soon, for sure. Yeah, on my side, I, I think I can talk about the, the social side of the spectrum, you know, and the identity part. So I think what is interesting is that uh, in like 40 years, like everything has changed. And at the same time, uh, the core of what gaming really is, 
no, nothing has really changed, you know. Like uh, we can say that, that gaming has stayed social for the last 40 years. Uh, in the 80s, uh, as gaming consoles were like uh, scarce and expen expensive, uh, as you say, like uh, arcade uh, was a way for people to meet and play together in a, in a social environment. Like console was a way for, for people to socialize at home, like I mean, uh, physically, you know, and, and with, with multiplayer and, and the rise of internet, it just displays that, you know, to, to create uh, macro communities and, and social experience online. And I think it's pretty much the, the same today. Like uh, the, the rise of uh, MMORPG uh, in the end of the night, the 90s, like even before with like text based RPG, multi user dungeons, you know, like. We, we see the same stories uh, of friendships, of uh, guilds that, that are fighting together on like large scale, large scale quests, you know. Um, unfortunately, there is also bullying that was very important already at the time. Like uh, uh, there is uh, this book, you know, from uh, Julian Dibble, it's called My Tiny Life, and it's about crime and bullying in the virtual world. It's from like 93, and, and I think it's the same problem today. And uh, it's striking to see how it, it hasn't changed. And but uh, now everything is in a much much bigger scale. Like uh, the, the the social aspect of gaming, um, even if it has uh, it hasn't changed uh, much in decades, uh, because I think it's really the heart of uh, what gaming uh, really is today. Like the social interaction, uh, the community building, uh, and like uh, in in overall the, the culture. Like uh, uh, this is why it has grown so much today. Like what has changed? Uh, I think it's like uh, the identity uh, of the gamer, like and the, the creator, the creator economy. You know, like uh, uh, it, it has evolved drastically, and it will continue to to evolve. Like um, at the beginning, a gamer was someone uh, playing on his own, and then today he has a community on several platforms, millions of followers. And I think that's that's what is very transformative. And uh, like um, on the creator economy side, like. It's, this is something completely new in the gaming space that didn't exist at all, I think, uh, maybe 10 years ago, you know? And uh, the, the same way than the casual photographer on Instagram and like the, the casual performer uh, on TikTok has scale to, to become an influencer, uh, the, the same uh, is happening with the, the casual gamer. Like um, the, the, the need of uh, creating content uh, distributed across multiple platforms, uh, this has really helped uh, gaming reach new high. And it brings new people in, um, and, and of course, uh, COVID has also accelerated this uh, this process. What yeah. Stan is saying is really interesting. I think uh, it really come from you playing yourself or you playing sometime in, in arcade to now you're playing with everyone and you're playing also in front of everyone. You can stream. You can you can be an influencer by just being a gamer. So it's really, I think the the most interesting evolution from gaming is that it has become not just social, but it has become like uh, mainstream and it has become global uh, in the way you play, in the way you consume uh, gaming and, and so on and so forth. It's, it's really interesting that you both call out from the origins of arcade that it actually was social at the time. Like it's a way to meet your friends. But uh, Flavin, I love what you just said, that it's a change because you go from playing with your friends to in front of everybody and you enter on this stage where everybody is watching. Stan, I would love you to talk about that, especially with Powder, of how this stage is being amplified. 
I think what's important on that side is that like with Twitch, uh, we saw that influencer that, that bec became a content creator, you know, so there are a, a small part of, uh, of the ecosystem that, that become the uh, creator and, and, and a lot of people were watching content. Uh, what, what we're seeing with Powder is a bit of the opposite, you know, the, it's like any, any gamer, any casual gamer um, are, are, are contributing. And so sometimes the content might not be that interesting, you know, but it's um, it's a it's a way for them to to express themselves, you know, to to really to really show uh, who they are, uh, their style, uh, their what they what they love. Uh, to we sometimes also on videos we see um, friends having a meeting, you know, like a meeting together in in the game, and so for me that that's what is really interesting. Uh, uh, in what we're seeing in, in, in Powder, yeah. And I think uh, just a very sh small anecdote to kind of disagree with what you said, Tiffany. Uh, I think uh, even when you were playing at the arcade, you were watching other people play and you were watching other influencers. You had people that were so good at the game, even in arcade that you were watching, he was the guy that was the best at this game or the other. Uh, and even at my home, I was watching my father play and he was kind of my influence. So it's just, it was impossible to share this kind of content to everyone. And probably my father or the guy at the arcade was not that interesting. Uh, but still the interest from people to um, watch creators, however they were at the time, was still there already. And, and, and it's just amplified now by, by technology and, and the news, uh, the internet and, and platforms. Yeah, and I think uh, before, like, you know, content was very much around performance. And even, uh, as you said, Flavien, like, uh, when you were looking at people, like, in the, in the arcade, you wanted to see who is going to do the best score, you know. And uh, today it has a bit changed. I think it's becoming more about pure entertainment. Like, uh, it's funny. It's very, very cool to see gaming content, you know. Uh, it's uh, easier to share that uh, with your friends, uh, uh, with your mom. Like, uh, it's, uh, it's also uh, easier to understand um, uh, what you see, you don't need to know the rules, you know, it's just like a meme. Uh, any game can break the internet like right now, you know, because uh, just the way that it's, it's, been, it's been created, you know, it's, it's, more, it's, more, it's more open. I think also in terms of the user-generated content and the, the, the distribution around it, it has changed the way and how uh, games are, are created, you know. Um, now they, they, they developers they, they know that the, the content is gonna is gonna be shared. Uh, so now they, like there, there's an intent you know to make a, a randomness like a more more creative and like more spectacular and to create in game a macro like a, like events you know that happens while you play uh, and that makes the streamer or the the content creator go really really crazy. Um, and uh, that's that's what I love about uh, user generated content. Uh, so. Like, you know, that there is a rules uh, of the internet coming from 4chan. And uh, I think it's it, it shows it in a, uh, pretty well what, what content is for gaming. You know, it's like, it says like while playing, if you fail in epic proportion, it may be just become a winning failure, you know? And so this is uh, has a lot of sense because right now it's not a matter of uh, performing, you know, it's just about having fun. It's like uh, the, the rules for getting main content mainstream it's like a lower year, the lower to lower the barrier of contribution, like, and it's basically our business. I think it's it's also the business of uh, TikTok, of Instagram, you know, and uh, it's uh, how to to 
to you know, in the game uh, how to make the content shareable, like to sh increase the shareability, and on our platform how to create the best uh, tool, you know, to, to make it easy to 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 do that. Yeah, I, I think what you said about the developers now and how they're really changing how they're thinking about developing new features in the game is very interesting. And could you maybe elaborate a little bit more about what exactly they're trying, are they trying to create something or is there more of a feedback loop with the players that they're now changing their method of developing? So they, they, they want their game to go viral, you know, because now press doesn't get a game viral. Uh, it's only the content by itself. So they act on, on, the, on the game itself, on the rules of the game, uh, on the run randomness. And I think they give um, uh, the, they, they, they help uh, people reach that possibility of, of, of creating uh, viral content. And it, it's pretty different from, from, from the game in the past. Like uh, right now, uh, I'm sure that uh, some developers are, are trying to, to, to create bugs, you know, so it looks cooler uh, on, um, on, on a game. Uh, maybe it's not the case of a cyberpunk, you know, like where they did a bit too much, but uh, I think it's, uh, it's a way to, to help um, uh, the, 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 the content go viral, yeah. And if you look at the most popular games right now, like League of Legends, Dota 2, um, they're initially games that comes from another game, uh, Warcraft 3, and it was uh, a sandbox mode, so, just players could create their own thing, their own map, their own games with logic and everything. And at the end of the day, it created one of, if not the most popular esports uh, in the world. Um, and, and there is so many examples of this, like the Battle Royale modes, like the Fortnite and everything comes from other uh, modes on, on other games. So it's, uh, I think what's also interesting is that developers realize that um, good creative things can come from giving the power to the to the players, uh, especially on, on specific games, and they can just create their own map and so on and so forth. And, and then at the end of the day, you create the content for your game to um, to to exist in the long term. Uh, and if you're thinking the other way around, if you're just developing a game for, you know, you have a limited amount of content, after you finish the content and after most of the people that bought the game finish the content, the game is not usable anymore. So I think 10 years ago, every game developer was trying to include a multiplayer mode in the game which was not necessarily uh, working for all games, but now they're trying to think about, okay, how can we create something multiplayer in a game, which is also like content uh, generated by the players themselves. And it's also much more engaging, like it's your map or you're playing the map of a friend or you're playing, you know, uh, there's a lot of very interesting dynamics there. Uh, but it's definitely a huge change in the, in the space, uh, but it's, it started like more than 10 years ago, like Warcraft 3 is like, I don't know, 15 years ago, probably that, Dota was a mode there. Um, so it's just, yeah, the, the, more, more mature, I would say. Yeah, and it's, the, it's where the best moments happen. It's when uh, like uh, uh, the human brain uh, intelligence really uh, collide together, you know, like uh, it's a social experience in the game. So, uh, and if you add to that uh, sound, like voice of the, of the streamer, of, of the user, uh, if you add uh, also the reaction, then, then it's becoming a, a cool con content, you know. I, I love what you said too about the, the developers creating bugs on purpose. I think that's really interesting. 
but this idea about the users actually creating a, a world for others to explore, for other players to participate in. Could you maybe talk about the opportunity that you even see here from a business perspective? For example, you would need to hire less developers because you're user base is creating so much content or you're always having new content? I think it's, uh, players will be more engaged in the long term, so it increases the lifetime value of, of gamers. Um, I think, I mean, there is there is many interesting points, but having something like this, like user-generated content is really just at the end of the day and obviously creating more content. So if players are playing more content, they will stay more in your game and you can monetize in many, many ways. So it's just as simple as that for most of them. And having more developers or less developers, it's not that obvious, I would say, because like allowing uh, users to create st content requires also different things in infrastructure and in the way you um, you, you build your game. So it, it's also more work, most likely. Um, but, but yeah, it's more content is always good. And um, I think the business opportunities also on how on those content creators that are, um, I don't know, building some experience um, on, on those games, they're giving more exposure to the game, but giving also more exposure to themselves. And there is more opportunities to, to create interesting, like maybe sponsorship or whatever, how you want to, want to frame it. But, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, more content is always good and, and, a, and a very interesting business opportunity for everyone in the space. Um, yeah, and so when people are playing, you know, like they are, they are creating content in a way while playing. It's, it's about like inter interactivity is about creating uh, content, you know, it's just that before it wasn't recorded and now it's recorded, you know, either by uh, uh, the AI, you know, uh, that, 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 that look into the score, you know, or either by uh, videos, you know, and and so um, uh, that that's also how the the world is building, you know, like uh, um, the the metaverse is coming with with a few different type of game, and I think uh, there's a there's a, a new media creating itself at the same time, you know, where uh, all these stories appear that are uh, on on on, uh, on virtual worlds, you know, and and that that has almost um, uh, almost a value, you know, the same value than uh, than real world uh, events, you know, like uh, on MMORPG. They, they, I, I don't have, have it here, but I remember there was a list of uh, the biggest events in MMORPG uh, in the whole world, uh, the whole history of gaming, and some some events that happened uh, were uh, transformative for people, you know, the same way that something happened in the news. So, so I think. I like this parallel of a, of a real time like real life event and um, and also a, a gaming events you know that that are kind of in, in horizontal they are in the same uh, in in the same value you know and I think it's going to increase a lot in the future and it's also where the value is because if you create experiences that are as good that that people can can live in live in it, you know. That that, that can be uh, as immersive as real life. Uh, then uh, retention is much much better. Uh, monetization is even much better, and and it creates the need of uh, also uh, buying digital goods uh, the same way that you can buy uh, goods, you know. Yeah, and and so this touches on two topics that I definitely wanted to talk about today. The first one is the physical goods or product placements. Um, but 
maybe we can keep on the thread of the experience of being within the within the game. And one of the ideas that I heard recently is about your multiversal self. And so it's the idea where the virtual world is able to offer an expansion of you that you can't have in the physical world. And in this context, you have online objects, online experiences that become just as meaningful as physical ones. And the games are able to satisfy a psychological need or desire that the physical world cannot. And so do you think that Pandascore and Powder both contribute to creating these memorable and meaningful moments in the digital world? And if so, how? I, uh, I wanted to maybe give a short example and an interesting story. I think uh, when I was playing World of Warcraft 15 years ago, um, I knew people that had a, an epic item so it's a very rare item. And at this time, those, 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 people, those persons, they were rock stars in the, in the high school uh, I was in. Uh, and they had just virtual item. It was already the case 15 years ago. And, and um, I think it's this multiversal self is something that exists, always existed, and it's a social status that they gain. They were probably one of the very, very few in the, in the whole high school to have such item or, or a similar variety item. Um, so I think it's it's part of the gaming culture always uh, and will always be uh, exactly like in, in, in real life where you have this um, very um, mainstream brand or, or the opposite and very non-mainstream brands, uh, clothes or whatever. Uh, it's it's a, a kind of a social status or social expression of yourself. Uh, in gaming is exactly the same and, and, and has always kind of been like this um, the past years. Um, and so I think it's it's, it's interesting. Uh, as for our company, as, as Pendiscore, we're in the esports part of it. So it's not really about yourself. It's about uh, the professional players. So ourselves, we don't ex we're not exposed to, to this, but on the professional side of things. It's, it's, so it's kind of a, of a different thing. I guess Stan has, has much more exposure to, to this than, than we have at Pendo. On my side, uh, about the multiversal self, you know, I think like, um, how can I say, like the, the, the quality of life, you know, in the virtual world it has increased tremendously. Like the communication right now, like is getting totally seamless now. Uh, and the gameplay, you know, like the gameplay as, a, as an extension of uh, experiencing your life in the virtual, you know, it's like now it's so rich and so dense. Uh, that uh, yourself and your even your ego you know it, it can dive into this world completely to become uh, someone else like uh, uh, or, or even better to to, to become like uh, uh, yourself but uh, fully in the virtual you know so i think uh, about the online uh, uh, object you know the the, the virtual goods there is uh, this uh, concept of scarcity uh, the creativity like uh, the the, the now, now the object has a, like unlimited function, you know, and design, uh, and it's not limited to to the real world uh, possibilities. That's we we can we can't do that much things, you know, in, in the in the real world, you know. But uh, like in, in the game, uh, if you want that your sneakers uh, can play music, if you want to make to fly with them, you know, you can. So um, it, it's it's um, I think when the the, the 
the market will be even more mature. Um, we will be on, on the edge of having like a, a much pleasure getting a, a, a digital goods than a, a physical uh, item like a supreme clothes or like a easy uh, easy uh, drop or something like that. You know, um, about like um, our, our company. So yeah, we are we are more exposed to that every day. Uh, because people are sharing their, their their virtual life, you know that's that, that's the concept of the of the product. So we're seeing like a, a great content on our platform that resonates uh, with real life events. Like uh, something that really struck me is it was a video uh, during Black Lives Matters uh, and the death of George Floyd. You know we we had people that organized uh, a virtual funeral for Floyd on GTA 5, and so they posted. A lot of video on powder about it and so you you were watching this video like with uh, hundreds of uh, uh, black limousine and people in suits uh, that meet in the game uh, to 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 be uh, at the same place you know and and to to experience the funeral but in the virtual and uh, it's just like the weddings on animal crossing or the travis scott show on Fortnite. you know it's like a it's real now. It's like the, the, the gaming experience is real. It's already there. It's not something that we will see in the future. People are kind of already living uh, uh, in the uh, in the virtual. I just got goosebumps when you said about the funeral. And so I think two things that, that you both said here, one about status and one about ego, uh, being able to satisfy or set those in the digital world and then maybe even bring them back into the physical one. But it's been said that within gaming, you know, it's the one place on the planet where everybody is at a level gaming field or level playing field, literally. So no matter your economic status, where you live in the world, your racial background, anything, everybody is at the same place or at the same starting point and you can be whoever and interact with everybody not based on those factors that you have to in the physical world and so could you maybe tell us more about what you see in both of your user bases or even just in your experience in regards to how gaming has created kind of a new status and a new ego of its players I will kind of talk about the negative parts, I would say, because we see more of the negative parts. Uh, um, but um, so if I'm looking at professional players, uh, video games, esports players, um, I don't have an exact number, but uh, it would be fair to say that 95% of pro players are, are male. Um, there is uh, very little minorities. Um, there are some, uh, there are some examples, great examples, but uh, still uh, it's probably even worse than in the real life. Um, so I think the symbols and the popular people, uh, the influencer and so on, would be fitting the dominant, uh, dominant uh, stereotypes, uh, kind of unfortunately. But at the same time, and, and that's where kind of I agree with you, there is in the, in the invisible part of gaming, that's where it's very different. When you're playing, I don't know, uh, I was playing chess or I was playing League of Legends or whatever, I don't know who I'm playing with. I don't, I don't absolutely care about who I'm playing with. Uh, it can be a woman, it can be, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't change anything to my experience. Um, so that's that's a great thing, um, of course, because it kind of deletes stereotypes to a certain uh, degree. Uh, but 
there are still so few examples of minorities, or not enough at least, minorities um, in the in the more mainstream and more visible part of the gaming culture and the gaming world. But uh, but it's definitely improving, um, and, and there is more and more initiatives and more and more people that are being vocal about it and, and so on. So uh, I, I'm pretty positive about it. But still, if you look at gaming, and I mean, if, when I was young, uh, gaming was really not sexy. And being a geek uh, in high school and so on, that, that was not the way to get uh, dates, you know, or any, or like a real life social, uh, real social life. But um, so I can understand why also the demographics are a bit more male because it was more like this before, and it was with the uh, the way you teach boys to play uh, video games, so war versus women, and, and historically there is uh, reasons, but uh, but now it's completely changing. For sure, and even uh, on Twitch, uh, I see more and more female uh, and, and minorities uh, doing great content. And it's so cool. Um, there's no reason why one type of demographic would be better at content creation than another. It's just that they have less examples and less exposure. Yeah, I'm really, I really agree with Flavian. You know, there, there is a problem today in gaming, uh, um, like about uh, diversity, gender balance, right? and I think it's coming from a uh 20 years of uh of uh, studios that uh, that are essentially male you know that uh and like um uh, that that's 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 a real problem because uh the the market will will not become um it's already very big you know but uh, uh like i mean more the, the metaverse will not happen uh if there is no uh balance you know and like yeah, T today, like uh, uh, for me, like in terms of uh, about uh, you know uh, uh, being the, the only place on uh, like the, like the digital game, you know they they the fact that they they are it's more transparent for 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 people and that you don't know with who you play, so it's uh, it's a better it's better experience, you know. Uh, I think it's quite the same of uh, uh, what happened uh, years ago with like the image board, the internet forums, you know, like. It's where the identity really became more fluid, uh, like uh, than real life. You know, like people could express themselves with another username. Uh, they 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 create a language, new kind of language, to be able to create culture. You know, um, that and I think it's the same in, in gaming, but we are uh, we are long 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 way to go to uh, to to become uh, something as. Uh, uh, rich and, and beautiful than the real world, you know, uh, and, and but we, we are on the, on the good track. Yeah, no, I, I would agree that it, it seems like it's on a good track. And um, some of the things that you mentioned earlier about the Travis Scott concert and maybe some of the cross industry collaborations that we've seen, like with Louis Vuitton creating skins for League of Legends, maybe these kind of activities will actually bring in a, a wider user base because they become aware about gaming from something that they're passionate about. So they're passionate about music, they're passionate about fashion, and now they're being brought into this world of the, the, meta, the metaverse, as you called it, the metaverse of gaming and they're able to now have their place in it. Um, so maybe we can actually talk a little bit about these collaborations, for example, with music, with fashion, within 
gaming and how it could be seen as product placement or advertising. Um, and really, I would like to understand from both of your perspectives, why you think that these fashion brands, music, musicians, see gaming as an opportunity to engage with a new fan base? I, I would uh, I would think intuitively that uh, it's kind of the other way around that you describe. Um, I think brands want to get into gaming to reach an audience that they can't reach in another way. I'm not so sure that people that love Louis Vuitton would start playing video games because they saw skin on this. But on the other way around, players were not that exposed to Louis Vuitton or not really. Uh, um, I mean, for this specific example, it's very linked to Asia and the big player base there. But still, with um, it's it's I think it's very interesting um, to uh, bring things to the gamers because the gamers are quite difficult to target if you're trying to go through the typical traditional um, media and, and so on. I mean, I've, I don't watch TV. Uh, I, I don't know many people that watch TV, you're fully online, you most of the time you're not even on Facebook, you're sometimes Twitter, but you just spend your time on Reddit, it's just a time on online gag on, on, on video games. So uh, I, I would assume that for those large brands, it's difficult to target a gamer. Um, and, and doing those, those partnerships are really, really smart. Um, I think one of, one of the examples that I love the most, uh, it's on Rocket League. Uh, so it's a video game where you have small cars and you play football with cars, which is a bit weird, but still very fun. Uh, and they launched um, skins, so car skin of NBA teams, NFL teams. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the, the, I mean, I don't know, it's just so cool, I think. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's smart also because Rocket League is a game very similar to sports. So there's a lot of crossover and a lot of fans and players that are doing both activity, like watching NBA and, and playing the game. Um, but I, yeah, I find it so on point uh, and, and so powerful um, it, because at the end of the day for um, a player, it's about expressing something about himself or herself. Uh, and if you buy, I, I would have bought uh, a skin of the Boston Celtics because I'm a fan of the Boston Celtics and I would have played, I would have played and clearly not a fan of Philly. Um, I would have played with this skin just to, to share my, uh, uh, fanship uh, kind of uh, and same for uh, League of Legends I, I can be a fan of Fnatic and I want to buy a skin of Fnatic because that's my team it's my crew so I think this is so powerful and so smart um, and it brings exposure to to the to the fans and to the players and uh, it's purely about the, I think uh, a, a smart uh, a smart move yeah I, uh, I think uh... I'm totally agree with you on about uh, the the brand like you know Louis Vuitton when they they do something with league and uh, they want to to uh, find new people you know in that uh, in that sense and uh, but uh, I think also that um, they they understood that um, by by they can sell virtual goods in the future like and selling virtual goods that are brand, branded licensed and like uh, they they could sell like virtual sneakers that that has basically like zero cost, unlimited margin. Like for them, it's like a crazy opportunity. And gamers, they, they also want a piece of the real world, you know, for to, to have an even better immersion. Uh, and they could access to also the artistic direction of, of major brands and to, to make their world even more uh, immersive and, and cool. And so 
I think this is also where uh, we will get the, the, you know, a ready player one experience. You know, it's where when all the brands will be in all the games and then it, it will be transparent. And uh, uh, Fortnite, uh, Roblox also, they are getting closer to that experience, uh, like uh, because they, 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 do, they license um, some elements, like you, you, you get this uh, wow effect, you know, when uh, the Marvel new skin uh, appear in the game uh, and soon there is there's going to be global brands, you know. And, and I think also um, the, the, the brands, they, they know that uh, now they, they can't add their big logo on content anymore, you know. Like, it's more difficult. Uh, they need to become producer uh, of user-generated content. You know, they, like, uh, they, they, they need to, to offer the possibilities uh, with their um, uh, goods, you know, to, to, to make even cooler experience. So I think uh, they, they, they should... Uh, they should use gamification in, in, in that sense, you know, to, to please gamers, I think. One thing I'm quite curious about is the trial uh, experience, like having skin in the virtual world and having something in the real world and how you can connect them together. I don't know how, I've, it's not a topic that I've thought a lot about, but if, if on League of Legends, you buy the uh, Louis Vuitton skin, you can, I think, also buy some physical um, uh, goods that are very uh, linked to this uh, and I think this is quite interesting like uh, what about I buy a, a shoe and I also receive a shoe in real life and also receive a virtual shoe in, in one of the game I play and I can just have both uh, I think that's that's a, also a concept like it's kind of like to, to get a stupid example but when you buy a, a, C, a music CD uh, you also have the mp3 uh, sometimes uh, a code to, to download it. It's kind of the same. Like you have, you buy your physical good, and, and then you also receive a virtual one that you can use on on, on many many games. Uh, that's that's I think pretty pretty interesting. Or in trading card game, you can could potentially buy a card physically, and you receive them also online. You can also play them online because now trading card uh, games are all uh, played both physically and, and online. So just a interesting concept for the future, I think. And it seems like maybe there could be two components of it where you have, in one respect, the physical item could be the souvenir that reminds you of your digital world or your digital self. But it also is interesting, like your sneaker example, if for every mile you walked in your sneaker, maybe you get a certain amount of points or a certain amount of life in the game um, and have like your real world activities kind of feel, feed back into your digital one. Yeah, the shoe could evolve like in, in, uh, in physical, like a virtual appearance, like she would be, the shoe could become more and more, uh, I don't know, uh, sexy and, and, and more light, so more energy or whatever. It could give you bonuses for sure. Yeah, definitely something interesting. Yeah, I, I love that too, because it makes the, you know, when you buy something physical in the physical world, it's static, it's the same forever. But if you have it in the digital world, it can evolve and it can change and it can grow and, and always be something of interest. One thing I did want to talk about is the data that's being captured from both of your customer bases, which are very different, and how you see that data being feeding opportunities either with product placement or, or other things that are maybe on your roadmap. Uh, on our side, like um, people, when they play, they they create a lot of that data, you know, uh, about usage. Um, we, to be honest, we, we are not that interested in, in, in who the player are, you know, it's more how they play. 
and like uh, the, the way they play, it, it creates a massive amount of data that, that are showing what they what they like, you know, how, uh, what game they want to play, and the way they play also, and also um, what content they will share. So from uh, from that 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 gameplay that that session, you know. So for us, it's, it's a huge part of our business, of course, and we want to be respectful uh, of our user at the same time uh, to 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 offer them uh, a good experience uh, without um, uh, having to unveil their privacy, you know? So that's something uh, uh, we, are, we are thinking about a lot uh, at this early stage. For us, we are focusing on the performance of the players uh, and mainly professional players. That's the kind of data we, we handle. Um, so it's really... Um, narrow, I would say, compared to uh, uh, more general casual players or even like strong players, but not in a, in a professional professional side. Um, but at the same time, the data is, is being used in, in so many ways and so many experiences are being built from it. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know, we work with like score apps where you can track the performance of, of your favorite pro players, team, the schedule of matches. We work with betting so you can create like bets uh, uh, on, on, the, on, the, on our customers platform. Uh, and, and bet on your favorite team, or usually it's better not bet on your favorite team, but uh, um, always something you can do. Um, and, and, and so on and so forth. So we have, yeah, this kind of interaction and, and the brands also are using the professional uh, professional statistics. Like to give an example, uh, a brand that sponsor a team could be able to create, create content around the team's performance. So when they win a match, they can create uh, data visualization, some storytelling around the, the win, and this would be around data-driven uh, content. Uh, so this is, this is the kind of thing that uh, leveraged data um, to, to create better kind of, or not, not, maybe not better, but just kind of an experience for the fans and, and the players. And I think uh, something that, that we are close to, Flavien, is also a... Uh... The way we understand uh, highlights, you know, what's what's the what's a good moment in the game, because it has a lot of meaning. It could be a performance, it could be a, a moment that that is uh, thrilling, you know. And so we 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 are working a lot in, in, into this in like uh, understanding what's the right moment in a specific games, uh, but also on on uh, on every game at the same time, you know, like uh, uh, the level of, of excitement. Um, uh, and it could come from a lot of different data that could be uh, about the sound, that could be about uh, um, the, 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 the movement, you know, it could be about uh, uh, the emotion. And, and of course, what's inside the image, you know, like uh, the same way that TikTok, they, they, are, they are value, uh, they are getting the value out of a video to make, make it scale on their platform. Uh, we believe that we have to find a way to to really understand the the, the interest intrinsical, uh, if I do it, if I say it right, intrinsical value of the content. Like, uh, is this video uh, a good one? And um, and I think that's really fascinating because it, it's evolving, and it depends a lot of the country, uh, the game, um, the, the the way people play, and uh, and uh, so yeah, that, that's also part of uh, our data set you know and on that note you mentioned earlier that some of the highlight videos like you would show your mom the highlight video and she would find them entertaining but she's not necessarily playing the game so do you see two sets of customers or two sets of viewers 
content viewers that you would have that have differences in what they're interested in? Yeah, totally. It's like uh, there, are, there are users that only focused on performance, you know, but we are seeing that is not the, 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 like the most important. It's very important. Uh, but our goal is to, to reach uh, uh, your parents, your grandparents, you know, in the future. And for that, they will not know the name of the game. They will not know the rules. They will only know, just like a, a simple video that they are seeing on the news or on YouTube, like, uh, is this funny or is this something I can relate to, you know? That's why I think the funeral example was cool and, and we have dozens of, of, of that kind of experience. When, it, when, it's, um, uh, when it's very rational and it's uh, really close to real life also, uh, then you can relate to it and, and, and it can become even more viral. It's kind of the same of a, of a TikTok video, you know, everybody understands what's the good, what the good, a good dance is or uh, a simple joke, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it makes it more accessible as well. Exactly. And so then I do want to go back as well, Flavian, to when you mentioned e-betting and traders and you're able to bet on your favorite team. Uh, could you talk a bit about that as far as your global strategy goes since... For France, for example, e-betting has a lot of restrictions, regulations, illegalities, but maybe in other countries it doesn't. Yeah, so, I mean, to me it's quite easy. Uh, in sports, if you want to bet on favorite team, you can in most countries in the world. Even in the U.S. now, you can in most states. Um, in France, you can bet on, on football and basketball and, and so on. Um, so you bet on professional matches, uh, in esports, it's exactly the same. There is professional matches. You can bet on those in most countries. France is one of the very few exceptions left. Um, but in the UK, in, in the US also, you can bet on esports matches, not on all states, but on a few. Um, I don't know, in Scandinavia, you can, and, and so on and so forth. So um, the idea is just you want to bet something, uh, certain amounts on a specific match uh, because you want to be right, because you want to earn a bit of money. Uh, usually, it's more about being right. Um, but, um, and, 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 and that's exactly it. This is sports betting. It's a thing for already 10 years. Um, it's getting a lot of traction, uh, a lot of interest. Um, and, and what we try to do ourselves is, uh, to, because we understand esports very well and we understand the performance of the players very well. So what we do is we predict who's going to win, who's going to win how many points, how many kills, how many objectives, whatever. We, we try to predict everything we can inside the games, professional games, and we serve this probability of events to our customers, so the bookmakers. And then the bookmakers are in capacity to offer esports uh, odds um, to, to fans, and the fans then will bet. I think what's, what's very interesting uh, on, on, on betting is, first, it's very important that betting is regulated. As you said, uh, bet illegal betting exists in sports and esports. It exists in both uh, areas. Um, and France, for example, not uh, allowing esports betting is basically means that, okay, if you, we're not allowing it, so you can bet on illegal stuff. Uh, so you have to regulate. You have to have a, a strong regulation in place so you can work on integrity of the competition so there is no match fixing or you work on, on preventing match fixing uh, um, and, and so on. And, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very hard thing to do. I mean, even in ATP tennis tournaments, there is a lot of match fixing happening, in, even in good tier tournaments. So it's clearly not something easy, but if you don't regulate, you're going to create uh, a, a big mess. Uh, so integrity and, and the regulation is going to be 
yeah, important. And most countries in the world have understood that and have, have paved the way already. And another very important thing to me is um, if you look at football, uh, if you look at any football team in the world, uh, not all of them, but many, many of them have betting sponsors um, because betting, it's about the fans. So they have a strong interest in sponsoring. They have a strong interest in being visible, creating very interesting content and so on and so forth. Um, so if you look at the sponsorship uh, revenue in sports, betting is a big chunk of it. Uh, the, the, the sponsoring coming from betting companies. In esports, it's still not the case. Um, it's still early, but and, and it's getting there. But uh, I think betting will help by being regulated, of course, but will also help financing the team and the structures uh, because they care a lot about the fans and, and, and the teams too. So it's it's a very interesting uh, interesting uh, alliance. Um, and and again, in sports, it's very casual and very normal to have this kind of sponsorship. It has to be uh, restricted to a certain degree, of course. But it's it's helping the ecosystem grow as a whole. And if you know a bit how teams in, in esports function right now, you know that the business model are not 100% um, uh, clear to them, and, and the, the revenue is is not uh, very um, stable in the long run. So this kind of sponsorship would be helping a lot for, for sure, and, and helping structure and having better uh, organization. And, and at the end of the day, more more integrity in, in the way tournaments are organized with with more with more money from whatever industry can be betting on others, but uh, definitely helping on this. And so just to clarify, you mentioned that for sponsorship, that a big part of their revenue is coming from betting. Yeah. But in, and as part of this, there's a big content creation piece. Yeah, right? I mean, if you're, uh, if you're a bookmaker and you're sponsoring, I don't know, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, you want to have content. So P PSG uh, was sponsored uh, by PMU, uh, French horse racing and betting platform, and they build content around it. Um, they, they build contests to uh, meet the players. They, they build advertising with the players and, and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, as a sponsor, you want to be out there uh, and you want to reach to the, to, to the fans, the, the, the gamers, whatever, whatever target you have. Um, so, so it's, definitely an engine to con to create content and, and create activity and engaging activities for the fans at the end of the day. And for esports is exactly the same. Um, like there is some betting companies and, and not just betting, it's pretty much the same for every type of business that want to do sponsoring, but there's some betting companies that are sponsoring some big teams uh, and, and they're um, trying to engage the fans and, and building content around it. And it's, I think it's what's interesting also is uh, betting is very data oriented because you bet on the probability uh you know it's it's about how many i don't know if you take the example of league of Legends, is do you think the match is going to have more than 10 kills or 20 kills or 30 kills so there is data at the core of the activity of betting and esports and gaming is a lot about data also i mean if you play any game you will have a score you'll analyze your performance at the end of the game and of the match you'll say oh i reached 10 kills or oh i reached 10 assists or whatever you know Whereas if you're playing foot, football or traditional sports with friends, you don't usually care that much about the score. I mean, you don't even track it because it's not virtual, so it's not so much about, about it. Uh, but in gaming, it's the core essence of everything. So I think there is a very interesting parallel uh, between the fact that betting is a data-driven activity and an engaging activity. And on the other, um, gaming is also very data-driven. So uh, quite uh, interesting there. And, and uh, the cost of it is pretty, pretty interesting.
No, it is interesting. And with this in mind that you're talking about esports, just to, to stay on it, the topic as well, I read that in the last year, the esports market actually shrank slightly. But with that in mind, it's forecast to still grow over 50% in the next three years, becoming a $1.6 billion industry. With what you've mentioned about esport betting, the date, the importance of data, and the size of the market, how has any of this maybe changed your roadmap or, or what does the roadmap really look like for PandaScore? Yeah, um, I think esports betting is bigger than esports as an industry. Um, right now, we estimate that there is $20 billion bets on esports uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, and that's roughly um, $1 billion of revenue a year on esports, probably a bit less, probably like 700, 800 million um, in, in revenue. So it's fair to say that esports betting is already quite huge. Um, and the way we see it, esports is so, so, so far from uh, um, being at his, his size in the, in the long term. Um, if you look at younger generation, um, they don't care that much about football, they don't care that much about, I don't know, volleyball, basketball, whatever. Um, they care about Fortnite, they care about Rocket League, they care about FIFA, they care about the, the virtual games. Um, and I think we'll experience a shift at some point. It will be quite violent probably for some businesses in the sports industry, but there is a decent chance then that Esports will become mainstream at some points. Um, and we're talking 10, 20 years. So we're not talking, and probably even more than this, but we're not talking like five years. Uh, but uh, I really believe that at some point it's going to have a, a big shift there, which, and when you look at sports industry, it's, it's huge and massive. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's massive because it's old and it has been structured and built and, and it's on all layers of society. And, and so on, whereas gaming is that new that it's not, it hasn't reached. Uh, all, 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 all this potential, even with the current size. So um, definitely, and I mean, sizing esports right now is, is difficult. Like the business of esports, is, it's a very difficult exercise. So I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure those numbers mean that much um, at, at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think in our strategy, we're here to help the ecosystem develop by providing data uh, and, and, and bringing AI to, to the way you create data. So we have only one interest is just the ecosystem growing and we try to do whatever we can to help the ecosystem grow in general. I want to turn it back to you, Stan, to talk a little bit about Powder's roadmap as well, because like esports is growing within the last year, 15 million new subscribers in gaming. And also you've recently had a new round of funding that was 14 million. So congratulations. And it would be great to talk about this new funding and also the new influx of gamers and how that has tra has transformed your roadmap and how you're thinking about the future. As, as we're live, you know, in the App Store for only 10, mo 10 months, you know, uh, a lot of things happen in, in the short life of the product. Um, our goal is really pretty much the same at the beginning. You know, we, we want to create the, the infrastructure of social gaming, like the, the big pain points. Um, it's about sourcing editing and social interaction. So about sourcing, uh, if you ask anyone today, uh, how can, can I get my PS5, Xbox, or, or PC uh, video directly on my phone? It looks complex, you know, and uh, our product makes it easy. So that's, that's the first part. For the editing part, 
there is no editing tool focused for gamers. Uh, and that's why we, we build it because uh, all the editing tools are made for Instagram or for TikTok or, or for YouTube, you know. But um, um, it, what we want to do is to help gamers be make better the videos. So we have the, this shake effect or this explosion effects, you know, that, that has an, any sense to add on Instagram. You know? And um, for the social interaction right now, Everybody is playing as a group in gaming. I take an example of Fortnite or Warzone. You know, I'm with, I'm with my friend playing Warzone. I just want to get my friend's best video while they play. It's not possible. So the same way we are facilitating this, this simple idea by creating clans where you can share all together videos of your gameplay and see uh, the, 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 the good performance of one of your friends, uh, the funny video, uh, of one of your other friends, you know, in the in while you play, because there is this thing around when you play, you create content. And so with the, the series that we just closed, the goal is really to accelerate opening new geographies, uh, creating a bigger team. Uh, we are we are 20, 21 now. The goal is to go to 35 people or 40 people. Uh, it's a complex uh, product. Uh, we are on several platforms with PC, Android, iOS, Android. And our goal is to be cross-platform the same way that Fortnite or the biggest games are cross-platform, you know, because it's how we, we can grow today in mobile, in, uh, in, in gaming. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, that, that, that's, that's where we are today. You know, we, we, we are focusing on this infrastructure uh, and building uh, the tech underneath uh, to, to, to the same way that Pandas, Pandascore, you know, it's, it's sustaining the industry. Uh, we are also sustaining the industry uh, by being uh, the bridge in between the devices and the mobile uh, and simplify the, the interaction between gamers, you know. Uh, the same way that Discord with voice, they, they help people sing during the game. We want to help people with video to share video while they play, you know, during the game. So that's that's our our vision for for the next uh, few months. And I'm looking forward to both of your guys' future and seeing how, especially after our post-COVID world, how things evolve and how both PandaScore and Powder are both very successful in executing on your roadmaps. So thank you both so much for joining. This was a really insightful conversation, and we're looking forward to sharing it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for inviting us. This episode was brought to you by Grow by SAP, a program dedicated to helping you as a scale-up achieve maximum growth potential. Email us at grow at sap.com.